that just felt like somehow we'd failed. I, I reckon, you know, like we'd failed the family and, and him. And then you start thinking, should I have driven a bit quicker through the village if I'd have parked my car facing out, not having to faff doing a three-point turn and go? Would that have helped? You know, little things. You know, to to save a few minutes. But yeah, you just never know, do you? Sometimes, despite Arnalive volunteers' best efforts, a lifeboat launch doesn't always bring someone safely home. It's devastating, the worst feeling in the world. Our crews are determined to save everyone who needs them, whenever and wherever that may be. For some, today's episode might be a difficult story to hear. For those sharing it, it's a difficult story to tell. But it's also an important story, one of unwavering hope, tenacious teamwork and unbreakable friendship. This is Lifesavers, the podcast from the RNLI. I'm Jasmine, and this is Tyler's story. Saturday night, best friends Connor, Jake, Charlton and Jasper are doing what they love most, playing video games together. It's what brought them together as a group, the foundations of their friendship. But there's someone missing. Tyler has been my best friend ever since we first met back in secondary school. We built our relationship around playing games together almost every single night for the last 13 years. We've played all the way through school, college, work, and just had some amazing memories formed. It was very easy to tell the world that Tyler was my best friend um, and how much he meant to me, but everyone around me knew. Um, we bounced off each other really, really well. I first met Tyler when we started working together nearly five years ago. We clicked from the start. I knew he was a joker after he started messing with me in the first couple of weeks. He was kind, he was really kind and, and really easy to talk to. And it frustrates me that I didn't have more time to talk to him. There were hobbies that he had that I didn't, that he involved me in, and hobbies I had that I involved him in, and he was more of a water person. He loved the sea, he loved to surf, he loved to get out in it. He was half fish, some might say. Um, and he was going to teach me about becoming more confident in the water and, and teach me to surf. I remember the last time we went surfing, we always tried to get on the same way together. And the last time we went out, we finally did it. And I remember looking behind me and I just saw Tyler with his arms in the air. And then he just rugby tackled me into the water. And I just remember laughing with him for days after that. Me and Tyler and some of our friends were fishing. Um, a couple of days before um, and the sea was rough we, we made comments on it on this is this is it this is how we all go kind of laughing joking about it um, and you know we were safe the whole time and, and you know we all had a good day's fishing and Tyler went back a couple of days later with with another friend a couple of friends and uh, and there was a freak wave in the same place that we were all at and and he was taken and he's not been seen since. 
me, Tyler and Jake were talking online the night before it happened. It's the early hours of the morning, actually. And um, I got a text from Jake that day. And he hadn't been found. When he didn't come out, the RNLI were called. And in the end, they had lifeboats, helicopters, and over 80 amazing volunteers out looking for him. Unfortunately, he never came back out of that water. Tyler had been fishing on the 12th of November 2020. When a freak wave swept him into the sea, the lifeboat volunteers at St Agnes RNLI were paged to search for him. One of those volunteers was Ed. And um, I drove down, I was at home, and said to Lucy, my wife, I was like, well, it's pretty big seas, but always the excitement of the adrenaline whenever the bleep goes, because it doesn't go off that much. So I came down and saw that Gav, who's our, who was our head helm, was there um, with another crew member called Lucy. And he said, it's going to be big and let's go, there's someone in the water. But as soon as there's someone in the water, it's just, let's go. Especially in November, yeah. the water's yeah. cold, the air temperature's cold. The three volunteers, Ed, Gav and Lucy, climbed aboard their lifeboat, with Gav in charge as the helm and Ed and Lucy as his crew. The audio you're about to hear is from the boat that day, as the crew powered out into the open water. What ETA did you get? Gav is like a, he's the, our most experienced helm. He's been on the crew for years, I think, since he was young. So you're like, oh, I'm in safe hands now. And Lucy, my wife, was always like, oh, if you're out with Gav, you, you know, I'm happy with that. Out on the water, conditions were rough. The crew would have to power through the choppy waves and relentless sea spray to get to the area where Tyler was fishing. It's quite a popular spot for fishermen. So the locals, I think, go down there quite often. Um, but it's a kind of fairly steep scramble down to get to various perches, but often where people fish, you drop down a ledge. So you're, um, And it's a bit of a peninsula, so you're one side of that, so you can't always see waves from the other side. So you can be out of the wind and sheltered, but then if a big set of waves comes in and over the top, and even in even in fairly small seas, it hits hits the cliffs and then bounces off. So wave meets a rebounded wave, and then it goes up. You know, so there's not only are you looking at waves coming onto the cliffs, you have to be aware of waves bouncing off the cliffs that are then meeting those waves, churned up yeah. and really confused. The St Agnes lifeboat is an inshore D class. It's small enough and agile enough to get close to rocky cliff faces like the ones where Tyler and many locals go to fish. Ideally, the crew needed to get close to them to carry out their search, but the sea was ruthless. Getting close to the rocks meant there was a very real chance the crew could end up in the water themselves. All right, when you get on that radio, say, uh, due to conditions, uh, we may also request assistance, over. So what was it like when you got to the area? So when we got there, the helicopter was um, 
if not already there, was kind of in the area on its way. And we we went in and, and Garvar Helm said, we'll only go in if we can definitely see something because the waves are quite big. You, you, you don't put the boat and the rest of the crew at risk. For now, the crew's best chance of finding Tyler was to search the wider open water while the Coast Guard helicopter in the sky and search and rescue teams on land could be their eyes and ears around the cliffs. You two. He's in there. We're out here. Keep looking out here. He might be out here, Ed. He might be out here. Within half an hour, there was a brief glimmer of hope. The Coast Guard search and rescue on the cliffs. There's messages on the radio saying we've seen something. As the crew got closer, they discovered the reported sightings were objects, including some personal belongings. There was bits of fishing gear, just kind of in a trail, like fishing boxes, rods, rucksack, and then it just you just think sort of what what's happened, what and something in some big way, you know, it wasn't you couldn't explain how they, that could all be in the water. And then you're trying to see is any of that ahead or you know someone waving and then say dives were called as well to come in because by now you know you're 25 30 minutes in the water the seas are pretty rough you know you need as many kind of people to help as possible more determined than ever ed gav and lucy continued to search now with the help of the crew at st ives rnli together the volunteers were riding hopeful highs at the glimpse of something new in the water Whoa, what's that Right, off the head there, just keep your eye on. And then the search and rescue were just pointing bits out, going, Can you see this? What's that? You know, trying to, and then we'd go there and go, No, that's just a fishing tackle box, or, you know, mark that off, or bring it in to the boat. Um, and we'd, we'd, so we'd retrieved a bag, so his rucksack, and, and, and we opened the wallet and could see his kind of driver's license, which balance wasn't a nice thing actually, because then it's suddenly more personal, isn't it? You've, you've put it. It becomes this, real, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. This is, we knew his age, and, and you know, there's a photo of him. By then, in those seas, you just think we just want to find someone. So you, we kind of abandoned 
a logical just trying to if someone saw something we would go to it that you just need to find find him and bring him back And at about two and a half hours, we were near Borden Rock, which is a rock off St Agnes. And I saw something come up and, and I said, and often, often because there's waves, you're like, you're like, you're just wanting to see something. And I said to Gav, Gav, there's something. And, and he looked as well and said, I see it. And we went straight towards it. And then it went again. Your first you think, is it a trick of, trick of your eyes? And you look again, no, it's definitely something. Gav, there's something. He goes, yeah, there's definitely something. Went to it and then it, it was, it was there. It, whatever it was, was only there for a few seconds. It'd be nice to find him, wouldn't it, Blast? It would be nice to find him. After three hours of searching at sea, the safest course of action was for Ed, Gav and Lucy to return to the station, where a new set of volunteers could refuel and relaunch the lifeboat and continue looking for Tyler. Did you stay at the station while the other crew were out? Yes, I stayed down. Most of the crew had stayed, actually, just having cups of tea and, you know, just... Does it help that you're all together in situations like that? Yeah, I think so, because so for every boat of three people that go out, there's another 20 that have helped launch the boat, you know, and are part of the crew and have made the decision to, you know, there's the managers, the DLAs, shore crew, you know, so often, you know, it's not just those three people or or six, because another three went out. It's not just those six people that are kind of part of this and involved and everyone is sort of egging and willing, you know, willing to find something. Yeah, you're all invested, aren't yeah. you? Soon, day fell into night and the crew members who had come to relieve Ed, Gav and Lucy had to stand down. We're in a small rib, so we've got spotlights and things, but our kind of effectiveness is way less than the helicopter and the bigger boats. And I mean, and in the seas. Yeah, yeah, they're much higher and the risks in the bigger seas of being out in a small boat you can't get too close in the dark to the cliffs unless you've seen something particularly. Overnight, other nearby RNLI crews at Padstow, Newquay and Senan Cove launched to join the volunteers from St Ives. Their bigger, all-weather lifeboats are more equipped and capable to continue searching for Tyler in the dark. Meanwhile, Ed, Gav and Lucy could do nothing but wait for morning. Do you take it home with you after, you know, a nighttime search? You've been out all day. Do you still think about it when you get home? Yeah, definitely. Because normally you have adrenaline running anyway from any shout. And then this one, you just think, you know, that's someone's family member or friend. Um, you just think, God, you know, it was so quick. Whatever happened must have been, you know, such a quick thing to happen. You know, they've gone out for a a lovely day not expecting this and we all do things don't we and then suddenly for something to happen mm. you know that you're not expecting completely out of the blue that, that changes you know your whole world and I've got a little son I remember just just checking just like going into his room and then normally my wife's really cross when I wake her up and I come home <laughs> late from the shag which is like you know you're right and, and, and we just sort of chatted and 
Yeah. At first light, the St Agnes crew launched again and Ed was determined to be on the lifeboat. So around 7.30, we were texting each other, saying, are we going out again, you know, and, I, and if so, let, you know, I want to be on that boat, you know, I, I want to go out. And, um, and they, I think the Coast Guard had done, they, they do calculations where they work out, you know, how long realistically someone would be kind of able to stay afloat and, 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 and where they would roughly be. So they said, go and do another search towards St. Dives. Um, but again, you're just trying to... It's it, it just sort of a fairly random search just going up and down. They said, go as close as you can to the cliffs, but the waves were, were quite big, so we, we were a couple of hundred metres off. Did you um, still feel the same sense of urgency today than you did the day before when you first got the page? Yes, yeah, so it was... But it was a different type of urgency. By then, it was just like it, it, you just want to bring the, the casualty home rather than just coming back again empty-handed. What's it like coming home again a second time without anything? Um, well, then you just, you know, it, the whole point is, is you know, the, programs called saving lives at sea and and you know you do it to try and you know save people or or or, you know sometimes there is body retrieval and things but that just felt like somehow we'd failed I I reckon you know like we'd failed the family and and him and then you start thinking should I have driven a bit quicker through the village if I'd have parked my car facing out not having to faff doing a three-point turn and go would that have helped you know little things you know, to, to save a few minutes, but, yeah, you just never know, do you? The next day, a Saturday, the St Agnes crew were alerted to something, a sighting from Tyler's family. This time, a new volunteer was keen to be on the lifeboat. Jane, not only was this her first time launching as part of the search, it was her first launch ever as an RNLI crew member. Yeah, approximately 48 hours after um, the first, after the incident. And um, I think, so on the Friday, I guess, you know, with no more sightings and no more developments, it had been called off. And then this um, launch happened because the family had seen something in the sea that they wanted us to investigate. And, And we could see what they were looking at. There was a black thing in the water, um, not very far off the cove here. Um, yeah, so we launched to go in and check that out. But we, again, we had some, uh, some confusing different reports about other sightings yeah. from members of the public, um, local people here who had been out on their boats or whatever and, and thought there was something worth investigating further up um, the coast as well. So, um, yeah, the decision was made to launch quite kind of calmly and just go and investigate all these different things. How did you feel going on the boat? Was this your first time from this search? Yeah, first time you it was actually also my first shout. Cause, How did that um, feel? So, yeah, I had, I had been in Truro when, on Thursday and Friday with work and I had come down to the station in the evening but hadn't obviously been out on the boat 
and so I was um, well I just desperately wanted to do something I guess to help um, I felt like I everyone had been you know working really hard and going through this thing and I yeah just wanted to do what I could to help in a way that was a calmer mm. launch and a calmer sort of situation than a normal shout would be where you've got a time critical thing so from that point of view of it being my first shout it was like well it's actually good because you know we, we've got that time then when we got to the first thing which the family could see it was um, some old lobster pots but even as we approached I felt that it it could be a person like it you know it was a, a black boy that looked like a head mm. and some some rope with seaweed it really and obviously your mind's playing tricks but you're you convince yourself to the point that even like maybe 20 meters away I was like okay you know we're going to go in and get this I guess just yeah kind of devastating to not be able to to do it and then we went off to look at these other potential things but with sort of dwindling expectation. In total five RNLI crews from St Agnes, St Ives, Senan Cove, Padstow and Newquay spent over 45 hours of searching at sea. Tyler was not found. The RNLI was out the whole time looking for him up and down the coast and to know that there were people who knew what they were doing, who had a consistent routine, and his chances of being found tripled because of the RNLI's efforts. But if it wasn't for the RNLI putting so many people on the line and so many volunteers arriving in their droves to help look for him, the hope that we would see him again would have never been there for any of us. The fact that people had our backs at probably the the hardest time that year for a lot of us. It's just, it's more than we could ask for. At the beginning of 2021, Tyler's friends chose to do something amazing to remember him, through the one thing they all loved doing together as a group. Tyler always wanted to do something for charity. He was a big supporter of charities and supporting things that were close to his heart. We've decided to do a 24-hour gaming marathon to help raise money for the RNLI in Tyler's name. We're going to be playing games for 24 hours straight, having some great times, some amazing laughs, and just honouring our friend in the best way that we can. Tyler had always wanted to do it. Um, He'd love to do it if he was still here. He definitely would have loved to watch it. Maybe he will somehow. And I know that he would be the one most keen to get behind it and drive it. And now we have to for him. Charlton, Connor, Jake and Jasper streamed their gaming marathon for 24 hours, raising almost £4,000 for the RNLI in honour of Tyler. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it was amazing because I hadn't really spoken to the family or, 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 or the friends at all. And then, yeah, I was working from home and remember watching that video and thinking, what a nice kind of group of friends that obviously, you know, yeah. doing what it sounds like Tyler would have liked to, them all to have done and would have done for them. It's like a really nice group of people, isn't it? Yeah, it was a really good tribute. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully with the money that we raise, they will find someone else's friend. We take time in every day to think 
about what if. Because that wave could have come a couple of days before and taken five of us instead of just taking one. Just be careful, Mum. Just be careful. He didn't mean to go in the sea. So please respect the water. And if you can, use some life-saving equipment like life vests or anything else. The sea is not to be messed with, and we've witnessed this firsthand. I just want to ask anybody that's thinking of fishing or surfing to make sure you use life-saving equipment. Life jackets are so important. If we could turn back time, we would have got them. We made a mistake, and it took our best friend. Please be safe out there, people. We have lost a legend to the sea. Keep shining, Tyler. Thank you so much to those closest to Tyler for sharing your story. I know I speak for all of us listening that we're incredibly grateful for your honesty and for your generosity in letting us in. I know personally this story is going to be etched on my heart for a very long time. And thank you to Ed and Jane from St Agnes RNLI for sharing your experience about what this search was really like for the crew. How have you felt talking about it today? Really cathartic, yeah, maybe, isn't it? Yeah, maybe, yeah, that's maybe yeah, this is I've, part of the process. we thought we've spoken about it, but we probably haven't, I definitely haven't spoken about it in this sort of setting with other crew to see mm. their take on things. Mm. And spoke to Gav a couple of times and, you know, he said we've given it, the, you know, pretty much every asset in the area had searched for hours. So if he was there, you know, he had his best kind of chance to find him. Has the experience changed how you think of yourself as a lifeboat volunteer? Do you still feel like you want to do it? Yeah, def- I mean, yeah, definitely. If anything, it, made me want- it makes me want to do it more. Yeah. These aren't always the rescue missions we see or hear about most often, but sometimes they're the reality. And it's only through donations and kind support like yours that RNLI crews can keep doing everything they can to save everyone who needs help by the water. Thank you for listening to Lifesavers, the podcast from the RNLI. If you'd like to, you can still support Tyler's fundraiser in aid of the volunteers who tirelessly searched for him. You can find the link in the episode notes. Or you can share, rate and review our podcast to help others hear Tyler's story. Knowing the importance of life jackets and when to wear them could save someone else's life. And for further advice on what life-saving equipment can help you at the coast, how to choose it and how to wear it properly, visit the link in the episode notes. I'm Jasmine and Lifesavers is presented and produced by me and Adventurous Audio Limited.